This episode of The Work Ethic is brought to you by WellVolt Bikes. WellVolt Bikes is a social enterprise working to make affordable, reliable transportation available to everybody. They're doing this by gathering bikes that might otherwise go wasted or taking bikes in as donations, old bikes that might be laying around your garage, which by the way, you can donate to this enterprise by dropping them off at any time that they're open. But they gather these bikes, they rebuild them, uh, making them available for sale, refurbished bikes for sale at really affordable prices, great bikes, super accessible. And they do this so they can take the sales revenue and invest it into an earn-a-bike program so that those with little to no money can also get a bike through a small investment of community service hours, a bit of sweat equity work that they put in to earn their bike. And at the end of this program, they get a bike, lights, lock, helmet, water bottle, really Uh, and a safety training. So everything that they need to be commuters, to get around town, to have access to the rest of the city, its opportunities, its economy, uh, a a really great program. They also offer a full service repair shop on sliding scale so that it's available and accessible to everybody. They invite everybody, whether you earned a bike or bought a bike, or you're just a neighbor that already has a bike and likes to go riding to ride with them every Tuesday night. There's a group ride at 630 that you're all invited to. If you're in Tampa, Florida, their shop is located in University Mall right next to you. USF in the uptown university area. Go check them out. It's at well-built bikes on any social platform or bikeshoptampa.com If you want to find their website. Hard work, work. Hard work. That's what they say. Hard work, work. Hard work. I earn my pay. Hard work, work. Hard work. Do it every day. Hard work, work. I get up about a quarter to three. Hard work, work. Got to go and earn my pay. Hard All right, so check this out. I wanted to share this with you. This is a TEDx talk that I gave back in 2012. Uh, So this is really cool to look at reminiscent for me. Um, It's... It was on intentional living and, and, and purposeful sharing. And and anyway, just a lot of old stories about some of the, the early days of living in intentional community and trying to engage in the work that uh, grew into what is now known as The Well and Wobble Bikes. Uh, so hope you enjoy this throwback to 2012, little young baby John. Uh, so several years ago, I had the opportunity um, to visit Manila, Philippines. I stayed with a family that lived in one of Manila's 500-something uh, slums there. And this experience has forever changed the way that I see the world. It's changed the way that I think we should live in this world. So over this time that I stayed there in this slum, I had this overwhelming feeling. Okay, so I'm not real good with feelings. I uh, usually identify them all as anger. I don't, you know, but and this was no different, but I... I knew I feel that something, and I finally put my finger on it, and the truth is it was jealousy. It was jealousy, and I, I was confused. I was in the poorest place that I'd ever been, and I was confused by this very real and strange reaction that was in myself. I mean, I had everything, everything when I compared myself with these people that I was staying with. And I, I just, it had never been so clear to me that I had everything, but what was it that was producing this jealousy within me? What was it that they had that seemed so foreign, so strange to me? I remember running through an inventory of what I was seeing. First of all, I was experiencing a hospitality unlike anything that I had ever known as this entire slum, this community welcomed me into their lives. And as I looked around this slum, I found example after example of ingenuity and creativity unlike anything I'd ever seen. So much of what these people had and so much of what they used 
uh, was, was brilliantly crafted out of something that I might have otherwise considered trash. And they looked out for each other, and they, as is the way in the East, they honored one another. They were a communal people. And I've been brought up in a culture that taught independence, self-reliance, and privacy. And these poor people unveiled my own, uh, my own poverty. And I realize now that we can all learn something from what I've come to think of as the wealth of the poor. So lesson one for me was that people are valuable. People are more valuable than stuff. Such a, it seems like a simple truth, but when I look around, I look at the world around me, I, I find that it's not what we actually believe. It isn't the thing that we value. We live in a consumer culture that most values value. We value money, and whether we say it or not, we value people based on what they're able to buy or what it is that they have. You know, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. said, I'm convinced that if we're to get on the right side of the world revolution, we as a nation must undergo a radical revolution of values and rapidly shift, begin to shift from a thing-oriented society to a person-oriented society. When machines and computers Profit motives and property rights are considered more important than people. The giant triplets of racism, materialism, and militarism are incapable of being conquered. The lesson is simple, but it is profoundly deep. People are more valuable than things. And so for me, the immediate application of this idea became sharing. And I've since given myself to sharing life with other people, especially poor people. They're my friends, they're my family, they're my teachers. House in the inner city, on a main drag that runs between two housing projects. We invited friends to join us and we've been living in an intentional community for years now. We call ourselves the Lake House, named after the street that we're on. And within this house, we're learning to share life, share possessions, share space, share time. But as a house, as a community, we're learning to share with those that are in need around us. We live in an area with a lot of need. Hospitality is one of the most concrete ways of valuing people. And we're doing our best. We're doing our best at it. Our doors are open. We have a lot of friends and neighbors that are in need that will come over for food or to take showers or do their laundry, lay on the couch or just have a friend to talk to. And people know that they're welcome with us. And we so value the opportunity to learn and to grow in community with them. And man, it's a fun life. I, I say a lot, people that are around me a lot hear me say, I feel like I have a front row seat uh, to life, to real life. I mean, from break-ins and car theft to potlucks and parties, there's just so many stories that I can tell you guys. Uh, here's, here's one story. Sam was an addict. Um, he was also infected with HIV. He was on the streets, and this guy always seemed eager, so eager to turn his life around, to make a change in his life. But his addiction made that so, so difficult. And we, we hung out a lot. He came by a lot. We knew him pretty well. So this one day he comes by and we're talking. And he's like, you know what? I got to get it together. I need to work. I need to do and produce something and make some money and have something to be. I need, but there's, who's going to hire me? There's nothing for me to do. He said, you know what I can do? I got an idea. I can get a lawnmower and I can go door to door and I can start asking people, why don't you let me mow your lawn? And maybe they'll give me money and then I can buy some gas and then I can mow another lawn. But I don't have a lawnmower. Can I borrow your lawnmower? Yeah, man, you can borrow our lawnmower. So I gave him our lawnmower, and man, I was so proud of him as he walked off with his head held high and like hopeful, initiative. 
So I never saw my lawnmower again. <laughs> and it was a while before I saw Sam again. Um, and I tell you what, uh, I told him when I saw him, I said, man, I'm disappointed. Hurt, you know, you sold our lawnmower. That's not what I had in mind. That's not cool. Um, but it wasn't long before someone heard this story. A friend of ours gave us an extra lawnmower. I don't know who has those, but gave us an extra lawnmower. And so then it wasn't long before I sat down with Sam again. I'm like, I got another lawnmower. You want to give this another shot? I didn't see that lawnmower again either. Nope. <laughs> but I tell you what, um, I, was, I was nervous as he walked off, but I just kept reminding myself he was what was valuable in this situation. And you know what, since he's been doing so well, I mean, he's checked himself into a rehabilitation program. He's gotten really involved in his church and he keeps in touch with us and he's doing, he's doing great. And, and the thing is, is that he, no matter how he's doing, really, I, he knows that we are a place where he's valued and loved. And, and I really have seen this help him so much to value and love himself. See, we value people over stuff or comfort no matter who they are, no matter where they are. And we've realized that sharing means using less so that more might be available to others, right? So this leads us to value ecological stewardship. We have as a community, we've quit using our air conditioning, we've, turned, we've pulled the dryer out, we've shut off the water heater as a way of consuming and using less. Going without air conditioning, by the way, has been definitely the hardest adjustment that we've made. Um, so you guys know, but the summer in our area is about, I don't know what, 90 degrees. It is hot. It is hot. So just one fact about our, um, our efforts to live like our friends around the world. So Florida's actually a little low for the United States on energy consumption, probably because we don't have the kind of winters. But Florida average is about 14.08 kilowatt hours per person per day. Uh, at the lake house, we are at about 3.43 kilowatt hours per person per day. So our annual per capita energy consumption is right between Tunisia and Iraq. Um, still a little bit higher than the Philippines and the United States over here. We're, we're trying, you know, we're trying. Uh, but we've come to consider sweating as a deeply spiritual activity, <laughs> purifying. We're also going, growing as much food as we can and our little property can produce, and we're making every effort and doing everything that we can think of to live in a way that we believe this earth can sustain. It's a way of valuing, it's a way of honoring our friends in places like the Philippines. For us, it's more than solidarity. I think a lot now about terms like waste and value, and I've realized so much of what we have is wasted because we do not properly value it. So, Take organic waste, for example, right? You have a banana peel or an apple core, and this is so valuable in, in nutrient, right? But often what do we do? We finish an apple, we take that core, and we throw it into a waste basket, a garbage can, where it's bagged and it's taken off to the dump and then it's incinerated and it's, it's turned to ash and it's wasted. But if that same waste, organic material, is composted, what does it become but rich soil that can give and sustain life? We see things as waste only because we're not able to value them. 
And this thinking, this growing conviction has inspired us to make our, our raised garden beds and even our shed, even our shed out of others' discarded materials. We've become proud dumpster divers, um, and we're learning to value waste. This principle has been true in regards to people as well. We've learned to particularly value those whom our society generally considers waste. Homeless neighbors, addicts, prostitutes, and any other reject of society are those that we pursue, that we value the most. And just like the compost image, we've seen such life come and grow out of these lives when properly valued. Let me share another story with you. Mama is a hugely important part of my life. Um, probably, she's one of my favorite women. She's a 62-year-old woman I met a little less than 10 years ago. When I met her, she was sleeping on the streets, had been for years. She was a crack addict. She wasn't doing well, and it always broke my heart to see this woman, who was the exact same age as my mother, living in such dangerous lifestyle. And she used to come by all the time for a sandwich or some food, for clean clothes, someone to talk to, often just a place to sleep it off. And, and this went on for years. And after several years, she got arrested. And we didn't see her for some time. But when she was released, she knew us. She knew our house. She knew it was a place that she could come. And man, when she showed up, she looked so good. She was sober. She had gained weight. She looked so great. And we just said, Mama, please stay. Like, don't go back to that. M move in. Live with us. Don't, do not go back to that lifestyle. And she did. She moved in with us. She still lives with us. Um, and she, she, she's the house mom, part of our community. She keeps all us young dudes in line. She helps us now to keep a house that welcomes those that are in need. And she still hits the streets regularly, uh, but not so much chasing drugs anymore as passing out blankets and condoms and socks and really whatever she can get her hands on. Mama is one of the most generous people that I know, and I've learned so much from her. See, guys, we as a society, we've had a dream that is not real and it is not achievable. We cannot see what we refer to as developing nations develop into consumer societies that live like us. It would take 20 Earths to produce the resources necessary to support that kind of consumption. It cannot be done. And those of us that live in this small percentage of the world that are consuming 80% of the resources that this one Earth that we have produces need to, need to realize that resources are not limited. And our lifestyle affects the other 86% of the world that, are, that have to fight over what is left. And as the economy struggles and our world realizes that the Earth's resources are not unlimited and our potential for progress is not unlimited either, we will have to adapt the way that we live. Many are already learning to share and seeing that it is not necessary or actually even possible for everyone to have their own house and their own car and their own lawnmower to mow their own lawn every weekend. Sharing. Sharing. That lesson that we learned when we were small, that we, that we learned in nursery school, that we teach our kids, it turns out is fundamentally important. And we need to remember. And it's the poor that can show us how to live with limited resources. It's the poor that will show us how to look out for one another. And I don't think any of us can deny that times are changing and our values and habits that we've had will not sustain us. We cannot value material possessions, privacy, and individuality at the expense of the majority of the people that live on this earth. So start now. 
Start at home. Love your neighbors. Welcome strangers. Share food. Share things. Learn to find the value in everybody. And I want to challenge each of you, as I'm sure your parents did and your teachers did when you were young. Share. Share life. Share food. Share space. Share time. Share skills. Share values. Guys, share everything. So the poor have shared their wealth with me, and I have opportunities like this to share with you. And I just want to urge all of you, go and do likewise. Thank you. Hey, real quick before you go, I want to invite you to join the conversation. One of the first comments that was left on one of the first episodes was somebody saying that they wanted to join in the conversation the entire time. And I've heard that from a few of you, and I really want to invite you to do that. So if you go to workethicpodcast.com, there is a link to join the conversation where you can click that link and chime in, uh, maybe answer what success is to you, what's your earliest memory of work, your own experience of, of what triggers flow state or your own understanding of grit, but I want to invite you to join the conversation. I would also like to invite you to help grow this conversation and this podcast and show. So if you would, please share, please subscribe, please leave feedback on the show, uh, rate it, uh, comment on socials. And then if you would, please, please, please consider supporting uh, the cost, the expense that this show is becoming, and also uh, kind of my own work uh, with the podcast and with the well and well-built bikes. And you can do that by going to patreon.com slash the work ethic, or there's also a link at workethicpodcast.com. Thank you so much for considering it. Thank you for listening. Thank you for sharing. And thank you for being a part of this conversation in this project.